Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So today is Monday, and it's May 27th, 2019, and it's a somber day for many of us, um, including myself, um, remembering those that have lost their lives for our nation. Today, yesterday, 100 years ago, 300 years ago, many of them are immortalized in Arlington Cemetery, many of them get their little silver stars pinned on the wall when we're allowed to know their name. Those are the unsung heroes that aren't really talked about. So let's all thank them for what they have done, and I'm sure all of them that have given up the the most ultimate sacrifice, which is their life, are pretty, I believe, are very happy in the direction our nation is going into. I believe that if we had some psychic that could speak to all of them, they'd say, thank God for Donald Trump. And a, a lot of eye rolls will be coming, so cheesy. But if you actually understood just how different the direction we are taking ever since we elected this man is, you'd understand. So today we have a lot to cover and talk about. Uh, Stuff that I've talked about in the past couple months without mentioning much. Uh, Today I'm going to allow my lips to flap. So we're going to talk about Brendan a little bit more talk about this whole Spygate issue and talk about how, well, it's no secret how I feel about Snowden. And and keep in mind, Snowden is just like many of us out there that believe that they are doing what they're supposed to be doing, which is defending our nation. And then when it comes to it, and they execute something that they knew may not have been the right thing to do, but were enarmored to believe that it was, last minute they get this um, feeling of regret and run. How many people have been in that position? How many people have lost a lot for saying no or for saying 
I said I'm done. Or for saying I'm not going in that direction anymore. This is what we're going to be discussing today. More details of Ragnarok. Now, there's more to talk about. Exciting things that are happening uh, in regards to foreign policy. Uh, But in order to understand just how important the Japan state visit was, you need to know a few facts. So, did you know that we have 30 monarchs, 30 royal heads of state, like, that, that, that rule over nations? So there's, there's 30 of them, and they oversee 44 nations. One of them is actually a prime minister and is a co-prince. You didn't know that either. And a lot of people are going to be like, what? Yeah. So what we need to do is see the panic that is infiltrating the royal lines and then understand just how important the Japan state visit actually was. So I thought that today we could start with just kind of looking around to see what the media is telling us is important. So their latest headlines. And the reason I say this is because then you can realize what's not important. So the first thing we have coming out is about Notre Dame's Cathedral and... um, the World Heritage site selection is Eurocentric, and that shapes which historic places get love and money to develop. So they're saying, oh, you know, uh, they're very prejudicial on what is considered a historic place, and it's only Eurocentric, and other places don't get it. So, you know, that's a problem. Another headline coming out is that um, in Germany, uh, Jews are told to not wear their yarmulkes. You know, because there's a rise in anti-Semitism. I mean, that would be understandable because you have a rise in Muslims and radicalized, military, able-bodied, aged Muslims that have infiltrated your nation and sucking off the German teat with demands. So now they're acknowledging that there is a problem with anti-Semitism. So now they're saying, because we have this problem, keep your Jewness to yourself. Uh, the hijabs can walk freely, but not the yarmulkes. Do so at your own risk. Wow, sounds like a really free nation, doesn't it? Um, The Guardian put out some stuff about the Washington Spy Museum. So weird. Okay, sports, don't care. We've got a lot of sports, sports, Game of Thrones. Okay, where Leonardo DiCaprio is going, nobody cares about Nicole Kidman. I'm just running through the headlines. This is the stuff people are being fed. Okay, so these are coming up as most important, right? Where DiCaprio took his, um, you know, girlfriend, how he's jealous of Brad Pitt, uh, all these superstars. And now we start to get, you know, at the bottom of the list, which also has garbage, but some good stuff like Brexit party victory. We're going to talk about the Euro elections. Um, Talks about how Home Secretary Javid has thrown his hat to replace Theresa May. And he's the conservative party leader. Um, Sajid Javid, uh, I don't like him. 
Uh, we'll talk about that tomorrow, though. I'm going to have an in-depth Brexit discussion tomorrow. Um, so now they're talking about food again. That's top on the list. Then we have, and this isn't through Google. This is through DuckDuckGo. So it goes by views, right, when you, when you sort it. Uh, so again, we talk about stars and giving birth, food vendors. That's where it stops. So we've got nothing on Japan. We've got nothing on North Korea. We've got nothing on South Korea. We have nothing on the panic that is happening on some military buildup um, in Russia. We have nothing about Iran, nothing about Turkey, just a mention about the EU elections and only Brexit, not the other countries, right? <laughs> Nothing about Memorial Day. Guys, there's nothing about Memorial Day, okay? So these are the headlines that are coming up as most important to general viewers. Uh, This is with no searches, no safe searches, just today, and that is incredible. Now, if we look at the Google ones, it's even... uh, Let me just pull this up for you. You guys, this is... Um, pretty incredible what they think is of value. So their news headlines in order is his Japan trip where the president is blasting Biden. We'll get into that. Uh, Memorial Day parades is another classification. Great job on showing patriotism. Uh, Weather about Memorial Day. Super weather about Memorial Day. The Stanley Cup. And charity events for LaShawn McCoy. So this is what uh, Google thinks is the most important for you to know that President Trump was in Japan blasting Democrats and Biden and Mueller. That was what he was doing. That is not what he was doing, and I'll tell you what he was. And Memorial Day parades and complaining about how hot it is, how the services are planned, you know, how um, the army asked how serving impacted you. So now they're saying how your service records, you know, how your service experience was. Tell us about it. Stanley Cup. And that's basically it. And about some charity event for LaShawn McCoy. Those are the top headlines. So I wanted to say something on service um, queries. And I'm going to say this again. As most of you know, my child is currently serving, my eldest. Uh, Actually, shout out to the 360 Battalion Alpha Company, which she's part of at Fort Jackson. Um, I was thinking... The mess that we're in now is mostly because of the way uh, the school, the education system have um, shaped the minds of our youth, uh, shaped the mind of future leaders and, you know, people that are going to be supposedly, uh, you know, running our nation. And I, and, and I thought to myself, I think the best way to remedy that is to introduce mandatory military service and not so much just for that, um, you know, for them to get training to understand how, uh, how the, what the cost of freedom is, um, but to offer them sites that they have, uh, offer them a point of view that they've never thought of because of the way they were um, brought up. Now, 
Having said that, that will also assist us on having frontline persons and, you know, your um, simple infantry uh, or simple, you know, supply persons, yeomans, you know, in the Navy, as we call administrators, whatever, that could fill posts at a time of war that can be called in. But it would also give, uh, so thus, it would afford us the opportunity to be more selective, because uh, one thing that I remember from my training and something that my daughter told me as well is how did some of these people actually enter? Like they bring a, a class that doesn't align with that of the military. Now, obviously completing boot camp, maybe that is beat out of them. But when you have someone that's 18, 19 years old and there's, you know, it's all about them and it's not about teamwork and doesn't inspire, then that kind of makes you feel like that's not a good soldier, right? And so this introduction, I believe, of mandatory service, and I'm going to ask my congressman to maybe introduce that. Like, I'm literally putting that together to see if we can get that done, because that'll help us beef up our military and having students all automatically draft right after high school. Like right after high school for a year, they go there and it gives them the benefit um, of learning things and they get nothing out of it except for they get paid and no other benefits. They don't get like veteran benefits like the rest of the veterans do for the mandatory 12-month service. Um, So if we do that, we beef up uh, the people that we can have but also afford us the opportunity to be a, a little bit more selective in our, you know, uh, full-time uh, military staff and, um, and military officers and enlisted uh, that uh, work for us. I think we need to kind of bring it up a level because uh, throughout the, the past three administrations, the bar has been set very low, uh, you know, and that for me – for me, uh, bodes not well when you have people that come in that don't know what sex they are, that come in uh, just, you know, because of the sake of it. You know, I'm all for sending juveniles or people that have a juvenile record to go to the military to avoid prison time for stupid things like marijuana, not, not meth, or stealing a car, or running with the wrong crowd. Rather than throw them in jail and taint their record, chuck them into boot camp and um, see if they would take that. They used to do that, actually. I had, um, I had a girl um, through my enlisted boot camp. Uh, she was Native American, and she either had to go to jail or the military. It turned out she retired um, she retired last year as a senior chief in the U.S. Navy, which is pretty badass, right? All right. So, having said that, let's delve into what we want to talk. What I want to talk about. I want to start with Japan. So, one thing people don't know is that um, Japan has had a monarch for like forever, forever. They've had monarchs forever. Um, it was only recently that. Something historic happened within Japan. Uh, Well, it wasn't like super recent, I guess. I guess it would be. But uh, people need to understand that traditions that have been going on for eons um, have changed under the past two emperors. So Emperor Hirohito and Empress Nagako, which were the parents of 
uh, Emperor Akihito, who is the father of the now emperor, right? Um, they wanted to change the way um, the emperor was perceived. And this is because um, the emperor was not received, uh, you know, when, when Emperor Hirohito took the throne in 1926, right, um, Japan was thriving, okay? It was literally thriving. Um, they invaded, um, he was the emperor, actually, that invaded China and um, World War II shenanigans. And you have to understand that he was supposed to be um, a constitutional ruler. Constitutional mean that they take whatever their sovereign nation says is the constitution and work from that. That it's not like absolute power. It's not like, I am the emperor, I say so. He's supposed to be constitutionalist, but um, he was, at the time when he was emperor, he had people that were more devout to older cultures so one would consider them far right monarch uh, far far right um, monarch type uh, rulers that's what they would call them uh, so he wasn't uh, very liked and specifically because of the actions of the invasion into China because the Chinese and the Japanese don't have good blood between them that is something a lot of people don't know they really dislike each other and just so you know like in China I remember when I was there, there was like this one, um, you know, how, how us uh, that grew up in like the eighties and nineties, every Saturday morning you could watch, you know, um, what is it? Um, dubbed Chinese movies, uh, you know, where their mouth would move and then the words would come out or cartoons. Well, there's like a set time in China where when you watch TV, there's like five, six hours of just showing shows or movies demonizing the Japanese and how they did some, you know, invasions in China. And then they have, I remember watching one of them where they had this one guy who had like a fork, but it was like a fork with like only two things, not three as we normally think of forks with three or four prongies, but it was only like a two-pronged type fork and he was Chinese and then when the, the Japanese invaded his village and they were slaughtering people and grabbing babies and hanging them upside down and stuff this dude this Chinese guy rebelled and he took out a whole freaking platoon with that one fork it was just like yeah okay whatever but these this is a this is the type of stuff that China still promotes and it's 2019 to have that period of time in the week where they just show that stuff, which, which you know, keeps that animosity between the two nations alive, right? I wanted to point that out because Japan is actually um, going against the will of China, per se, because like I told you a couple weeks ago, and this came from Iran, that President Trump will be talking with Iran, and so this was nodded and spoken of during his visit in Japan because Japan has very good relations uh, with Iran, and I'll tell you why. So um, so we had Emperor uh, Hirohito hated uh, after what happened in World War II and taking that really, like, I'm the emperor type position. Uh, they actually stripped him. The citizens stripped him of his power and rather to, you know, embarrass him a lot. Um, you know, they kind of just let it happen. Now, um, 
uh, it's important that people know that uh, Emperor Akito uh, was also the first um, emperor not to join the military, like as as tradition would have it. And this is because um, Emperor Hirohito uh, wanted to ensure that you know uh, his son, the the crown prince, uh, doesn't have this warlike mentality. So tradition was that every single emperor's son would be trained and be an officer. But because of what happened in World War II and Hirohito kind of, there's a saying that they have in Europe, you were riding a pole while the pole slipped and fell while he was riding it. So this is why they stripped him of his powers. So in that sense, um, former emperor Akihito uh, who was a child at that time was not put forward. So, you know, in stripping himself himself of the power, so that way there's no um, monarch revolution in Japan. He also said, "My son will not be a military officer. We will be one of peace." So um, then we have um, the new emperor who. Um, for the first time, again, breaking tradition like his dad did, he abdicated uh, his throne. Now, usually um, when you're an emperor, you die, and then your son takes your throne. But what happened was uh, his father, Akihito, um, actually gave him the throne. Uh, So the father of Akihito gave, no, Akihito gave the throne to today's emperor. So he had like this whole ceremony. He went to the monks. He told God that he's doing it. And he passed the torch on um, to his son. And so this was, this is pretty, pretty odd. You know, that's in over 202 years no emperor, so that's like two full centuries, no emperor has ever, you know, abdicated the throne. Usually when they abdicate, it's because, like, they're really sick, you know, they have dementia, they're dying, they want a pure transfer of power, or um, they feel that um, it's time for their child to come on. So they did this whole thing, and I want you guys to know that visits with the emperor scarce. Now, Emperor Akihito... Um, had visits. First, um, he's visited with Reagan. He's visited with a few of them. But I wanted you to, to, to understand not all of them met the emperor, okay? There were a few of them that never met the emperor. So um, Reagan uh, met the emperor um, twice. Uh, Bush... He, he met the emperor, um, once and that was, um, toward the end of his reign because then Clinton came in. Uh, it was, uh, in 1992 after his first official term, because remember, um, Bush 41 was actually a three-term president. He was acting for Ronald Reagan. And then we also have, um, Clinton now. Clinton did not meet the emperor at all. Uh, And Bush, uh, 43, uh, he um, did not meet the emperor, if I'm correct. I think he did not meet the emperor. 
Yeah, he didn't meet the emperor either. And Barack Hussein Obama uh, met with the emperor in 2014. Uh, that's the time that he met with the emperor only. And President Trump met the former emperor in um, 2017 and now was the first person to meet the new emperor uh, this week. Uh, so the emperors love President Trump. Um, so he's pretty much been seeing him once, you know, almost every year. Uh, he saw the emperor uh, immediately before he announced uh, that he was abdicating his throne because after President Trump uh, left Japan, the emperor abdicated his throne to his son and said in 2019 he's stepping down and his son is going to be taking over. And then now, um, you know, only a few weeks into it, uh, the new emperor invites our president to sit and dine in the palace and discuss things uh, under lock and key, of course, because you are not allowed to record the emperor. You are not allowed to do anything um, that would have documentation, video, or audio of the emperor without the emperor's say. So it's usually you're not allowed to talk about it. Now, it's a really big deal because Japan um, has moved along with the last emperor and this emperor to take it to a, a way of um, westernizing their thought in peace, uh, to exist through healthy competition as opposed to regime. And so the emperor is looking to that because they want to be loved by their people, just like his father wanted to be loved by the people and be more close to the people. So this shift in ideology of westernizing and competing in the global economy is something they want so that way they're still relevant in an era where people want uh, soul independence and to forget uh, the rules of yore. Now when we get back we'll talk about Iran, Japan because in the last hour we're going to talk about really good stuff. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our Legal Defense Fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you, and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978-855-700-2978-855-700-2978. That's 855-700-2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. 
If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's one 800 961 Promo code Red State. Put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit mypillow.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Sess Show. I'm your host, Tori. So here's where we're going to start to get interesting because a lot of people, well, what does Snowden have to do with royal families? What does this all tie into? How does Spygate tie into this? How does Barack Hussein Obama's regime, the Clintons, tie into this? So I'm going to unravel it slowly while um, letting you know a few things that you don't. Uh, Not because you're dumb, but it's because they're never apparent. People don't show you their cards. They obfuscate in order to be able to usher their narrative. So much disinformation and purposely by people that our president has even retweeted. We know this. I've mentioned a lot of their names. Um, One thing I wanted to say is, did you guys see the reception of our president in Japan? People love him. They simply adore him. You know, uh, obviously, just like in every other nation uh, that has old guard persons, uh, like emperors and kings and queens, you know, they pay children to line the streets with flags and hip hip hooray and bring out schools. I mean, they do it here. How many children did Obama's regime pay to come out and cheer for him and, you know, love him and show diversity, yet they were all targeted to one area of diversity. Let me not start. Uh, but um, how many? The reception was incredible. Not only that, we saw uh, Japanese Americans and we saw just the Japanese, uh, you know, praising our president, calling him extraordinary. But not only that, we also saw the Q movement there. And see, that is what people need to understand. The president, he's being attacked like nobody else you've seen. It happens every single day on every single level from neighborhoods, you know, to in high schools. And those that threaten you the most are the ones that you're going to attack the most. Same thing goes for the QAnon movement. A lot of people are like, these are cultists. This is, well, you know, I'm going to tell you that 
QAnon is no different than the people that you go to that are considered open sources for information. That is open source information provided to you with an insider POV. And there's a lot of people out there writing, uh, talking on the radio, um, not on TV though, writing books, doing their own YouTube thing that do actually have bona fide insider information, but they can't really tell you, hey, I am giving you insider information because they could be in a lot of trouble. You know, there's so many times that I sit on information and I can't put it out there and I try to kind of do the whole ring around the rosy to deliver it to you only because it's not time because timing is everything. On that note, I want to play a little clip of Fox and what they had to say about uh, President Trump and uh, Prime Minister Abe talking about North Korea and trade. Uh, this is really important because the mainstream media has taken a take that doesn't make sense. Uh, but I'll, I'll demystify it for you. Just take a listen. Day visit was a state banquet. Uh, there you see the president greeting uh, the new emperor uh, Naruhito and his wife Masako. Uh, they spent the morning with them as well. And uh, one, one more time, the uh, first lady and the president will uh, meet with the emperor. That's tomorrow morning. A little uh, private farewell uh, before the president heads down to give that uh, Memorial Day address uh, on the USS Wasp at Yokosuka that uh, John was talking about just a second ago. Earlier today, at a news conference, the president weighed in on his tweet on Sunday that North Korean leader Kim Jong-un called Joe Biden, quote, swamp man and a low IQ individual. The president was asked if he was siding with a brutal dictator over a former U.S. vice president. Listen to his answer. Kim Jong-un made a statement that Joe Biden is a low IQ individual. He probably is based on his record. Uh, I think I agree with him on that. I can tell you that Joe Biden was a disaster. His administration with President Obama, they were basically a disaster when it came to so many things, whether it was economy, whether it was military defense, no matter what it was, they had a lot of problems. So, Okay, let me just stop it right there. So that narrative was coming from Fox, okay? And so uh, more props to Kim who's, who's speaking up because he's right. He's a swamp monster. He's right. He's got a low IQ because he lines up with China. See these Asian blocks. That's what people need to, 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 to understand. These Asian blocks are tight because they've got these regimes. They've got these, um, cultural, uh, they embody thousands of years of culture and history within themselves, and then that includes animosity between themselves. You know, one country we don't talk about a lot is Mongolia. They're going to be coming into the forefront soon as China um, decides to pivot. Uh, China has only two pivots uh, that they can maneuver to ensure that they remain China. And and this sounds really macabre to, to just say it, but... You'll understand as we go along in this program, it's a Memorial Day program, right? So I'm trying to make this more of let's understand where we're at this week as opposed to hear the news. Um, But the news are actually helping us understand where we're at. So take a listen to what else he says. I'm not a fan. 
In that same tweet, the president contradicted both his national security advisor, John Bolton, and Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe, who said that North Korea firing short-range ballistic missiles earlier this month was a violation of United Nations Security Council resolutions. The president tweeted that he wasn't disturbed by the action, exactly. but clearly the Japanese prime minister still is. Listen to this exchange here. My people think it could have been a violation, as you know. I view it differently. I view it as a man. Perhaps he wants to get attention, and perhaps not. Who knows? It doesn't matter. On the 9th of May, North Korea launched a short-range ballistic missile. This is violating the Security Council resolution. And President Trump told Fox News over the weekend that he is going to wait until after elections here in Japan in July before really putting on the hard press for a trade deal. He believes that Shinzo Abe in these elections may be able to increase his support and be able to push through a new trade agreement with the United States. Shinzo Abe said that uh, Japan is accelerating talks with U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer, and the president believes that something will get done maybe in August. Listen to what he said here. We are currently negotiating a bilateral trade agreement that would benefit both of our economies. Our goal is to reduce our trade deficit with Japan, remove trade barriers and barriers of all kinds, so that U.S. exports will really have a fair and very profound footing. And a couple of other pieces of news. The Japanese prime minister may soon meet with Kim Jong-un, the leader of North Korea. Abe said that uh, he has the full support of President Trump in doing that. What Abe is really after is there are a number of Japanese citizens who were abducted by North Korea. The president met with the families of those people yesterday, as he did when he was here back in November of 2017. And Abe may also be going to visit with Iranian President Rouhani in June. Uh, when asked if uh, Abe could potentially serve as a liaison between the United States and Iran, the president said he would be fine with that. He said he believes that Iran wants to talk to the United States and the U.S. would be open to talking with Iran, too. So uh, perhaps some developments, Julie, on that front coming our way in the next couple of months. So here's where it unravels. So a couple weeks ago, I told you that Iran wants to talk to our president. Now I'm going to give you my take on Japan. So I like Abe. Do you know why I like Abe? Because I know people like Abe. So who is Abe, the prime minister of Japan? And why does the president like him? So here's who Abe is to me. And I'm going to make it really pedestrian so you understand. I'm not saying that the prime minister is, in fact, that guy. I'm going to point out that character. You know how when you watch in the movies and you can identify what type of character someone is just by the way they are, like, physic physiologically? Okay. Here's who Abe is. Abe is that guy who is part of your group of friends that's um, sleazy but not backstabbing sleazy. Okay, so there's two types of sleazy. Sleazy meaning he's the guy in the suit that unbuttons the top few buttons, slouches in a chair in the back of a strip joint with cigarettes hanging out of his mouth, 
you know, feeling himself up. And he's the guy that you'll call when you need stuff taken care of. He's the guy that you'll be like, all right, listen, man. You want to keep that nice suit on. You want to keep your great job on Wall Street or your casino going. And you've got morals. And I trust you because you've got morals even though you've got iffy ways of getting stuff done. Uh, So he is that character. And remember, President Trump being a real estate developer in New York and having dabbled in the casino businesses as well knows a lot of these characters because it's the majority. They're people that are street smart. That is who Abe is, street smart with a bit of a kink, right? So Abe is that guy. Just look at him. I mean, if you were to cast him in a movie, which character would he be? I'm just saying from the way he speaks, talks, smiles, and looks. You know, the most um, revealing face that Abe has shown the public is the one where it's that picture where Merkel is pounding her hands on the table. The Europeans are kind of like leaning into President Trump, who is sitting there with a smirk on his face, crossing his arm. And there's Abe on his right with that, yeah, you're messing with my boy. He's going to give it to you. Good face. So we trust Abe because Abe is about self-preservation with morals. Okay, let's put it that way. So he has some moral boundaries, which is good. Nevertheless, still that dude that would do stuff uh, that isn't um, legal to get stuff done. Okay, I just wanted to put that out there. Now with Kim, he's really, really upset. Abe is upset at Kim because here's who Kim is. And I've told you this before. Kim is the leader of North Korea who has been the P-boy for the rest of the world. He has been the puppet for China. He has been the puppet for the global order. He has been the puppet for them all. And Abe's like, come on, man. Why are you getting all these props from President Trump when you're just a chump? You are a chump, Kim. You are a chump riding on coattails. I'm more worthy. It's that kind of relationship and dynamic Kim has with Abe. Um... Obviously, Abe, you know, mentions that, you know, a lot of Japanese citizens have been abducted by the North Koreans and are held as prisoners. That's because the Japanese would send their spies over the border. And, you know, at that time, you know, Abe is like that. um, Kim is like that guy that used to run with your crew when you were a kid. You guys used to ride bikes together. You were ride or die together, but then at some point kind of lost track. And then, you know, years down the line, you find each other. You're still giving them crap for losing their way and you're kind of uncertain, but you know them as kids. So you're kind of a little bit more lenient. That's the dynamic that Abe has with Kim, just so you guys know. And this is why Abe is so stern. Like, yeah, they might have violated security council things because that's what China wants to hear. So that's another thing. Abe is your your picture poster boy of a politician that is not corrupt per se because they still have morals, but they're corruptible and work in dubious ways, okay? So he's saying what China wants to hear, and like I told you, them shooting short-range missiles, whatever, maybe they just want to attend. Maybe they're just doing tests like we do. How many of those short-range missile tests do we do? And sometimes when they go over L.A., people are like, whoa, that's a UFO, and it was like a missile test. Or, whoa, it was this, and it was just a missile test. So short-range missile tests are done all the time because you have to ensure that the equipment works. Um, 
you know, and, and depending on what facilities you have, or if you're trying something new, a new type of fuel, you know, you test it out. So it's no big deal. And I'm on the same page with the president. It's no big deal. Everyone's just making it a big deal when it's not. Whereas, you know, the president going against Bolton is just to show China some faith. Because President Xi right now, like I said, has two moves to make. And that is about it. Two moves to, to, to ensure that he can maintain his Chinese empire the way they want it. Two moves. Two moves. And if he doesn't do those right... There's going to be huge problems. And this is why we see that Japan is speaking out publicly on their support. We see their citizens on their support. Uh, We even see them embracing the QAnon movement, which we saw sweep across Europe, which is what? All about freedom and taking power back. Because to be a free person, to exercise your right to free will, that is a God-given right to you, you must be able to control your government. And this is what people are craving for, control of the government. Um, I wanted to say, first of all, Melania Trump looked fabulous. Our first lady was just so fabulous and classy. I have never seen so much class. I mean, I'm so jealous. It's probably effortless for her, too. So jealous. Uh, In a good way, turning green in the corner. But um, she was classy, she was great, and uh, she and the Empress really hit it off from what my sources tell me. Um, you know, reading up on a few uh, blogs in Japan, you know, that are found on dark corners of the internet there, uh, they're actually really excited because this is their new emperor now that has come on, seems to be more forward thinking and more for the people. And that is very favorable for him. So the emperor of Japan is finding great favor. I mean, just like his father was like 80% approval, this guy is going to probably max out at 100% because he is looking forward rather than behind. Now, in regards to the elections, so because the emperor just came on and now they have elections in Japan, President Trump has said, listen, we're really hard on trade because, you know, the president, even though he's chill with Abe, and like I said, he's that guy in your group that slumps in the back of the strip club with cigarettes and a whiskey in his hand just staring, not to do something completely immoral, but he's like a peepee guy, right? He's, he's the guy that does the peeping stuff. Um, he's, he's in a bit of a pickle with the U.S., because we are going to collapse their automotive industry. So in regards to trade, we've got some severe issues with Japan. They have a great relationship together, which is good because Trump knows guys like Abe. Abe thinks he knows guys like Trump. So this is how it works, okay? They think they know each other. They've you know, casted each other in what roles they believe, and it's working for them because they understood each other. So he has taken a backseat probably also discussing with the emperor, listen, I'm not going to put any hard deals on trade or do any damage to your economy right now because there's elections and there might be a transition period. So we'll get talking in August. So, you know, we think that he's been hard on China, but, you know, because he golfs or goes out to dinner with Abe that they're not. See, Abe knows that people like President Trump are the type that are like, you need to be like, legit with me in a hundred percent. And this is why Abe has put so much effort flying in to see the president, you know, for Melania's birthday, offering to be the envoy uh, for President Trump 
when he meets uh, with Rouhani, right, in Iran. And I've said this before. You watch that our president is going to talk with Iran because nobody wants a bloodbath, let alone our president wanting a bloodbath. No, no, no. It's the mainstream media. They need to keep Iran in check. And like I've said, Iran wants to be liberated. They don't want agreements like this. They want to be able to enter into the Western economy. They want to be able to, but they can't because they are the laundromat for dirty money. I mean, think about it. $1.8 billion sent to Iran. 1.6 of that was sent on one airplane and multiple currencies and again you have to think of what bank within the united states has violated the trust of the people of the united states what bank in the united states would have the capacity to create those notes in yen in euro in rubles in dollars to stack a plane yes you guessed it uh uh-huh. that bank comes in threes and last week they were talking the town right we're all talking about wells fargo okay I mean, there's a lot of people that hate Chase because they're conservative target. They're targeting conservative people. They are uh, discriminating account users, but it's your fault. Why are you banking with Chase? They were part of this whole corrupt, you know, financial hiccup. JP Morgan Chase was, you know, in the late nineties, people don't seem to understand. They got caught money laundering. They got caught falsifying documentation. They got caught and we bailed them out with our money. Yeah, you bank with them because it's Chase. Really? Do you know how many other banks are out there that are alternative to them? You don't need a Main Street bank to do your banking. You just need to make sure it's FDIC insured. I'm just saying. Uh, So... Moving along, so as we realize in Japan, a lot has been going on. The president had a lot of talks. He also said that he's not going to intervene or meddle in their elections by way of policy. Uh, They discussed Biden because Biden is in a lot of trouble. But, you know, that's not even at the top of the list. The top of the list is the treason. The top of the list is the fugitive that is being harbored in China. The fugitive that helped Obama. And he wasn't alone because there's, there's another four contractors out there in the United States right now that can be named that are sitting pretty. One of them is actually working under the Trump administration that were tasked just like hundreds of others were asked, tasked by the Obama administration. And Snowden is being harbored. This is why we don't hear a peep from South Korea. This is why we don't hear a peep from China. This is important. What's important is, is like I said, Obama is in a lot of trouble. It's not, will there be articles of impeachment? I'm telling you, they're already drafting them. They can't initiate or put it formally because everything needs to be out. Ragnarok. How many of you love the Vikings? I love it. Love it. Love it. I love that historical series. Just like I love my Spanish princess episode yesterday was really cool. Uh, Totally contrary to history, but you know, it's a TV show. So what's up? Love it. Um, History tells us a lot. History also gives us names that define the personality of persons, you know, 
A lot of people don't seem to understand that when you name something, you give you give it merit and historical, um, uh, I would say, injection or influence to their life. I know it sounds really dumb. Well, how does my name influence? It kind of does. I mean, think about it. If you name your child Hades, they probably will be like into like death metal and be goth just because of their names you know you're not going to picture them you know in tight jeans and lattes in their hand oh yeah my name's Hades you know they kind of take on because names are very charged this is why it's important when you name your children to give them a name that has a good positive charge I mean for me to name my children took me forever Uh, my firstborn her name is Hera right that's super strong, super into, and very easy for any language to be able to pronounce it because nobody can pronounce my name. My name is always butchered. Nobody can pronounce it. You know what my name pretty much means? Pleasure dance. And here's the thing. She was amused supposedly of dancing. It's completely spelled wrong. It's not terpsichore. It's terpsichore. But the name is chargeable to the, to the character. So... She was pleasurable and dance, but what she did was, in a very feminine way, sat back through pleasing the other to garner information. See, people don't know the history of names. Um, So I go back to it uh, because tomorrow we'll revisit the naming as well. But for now... Think, naming your child, naming your dog gives them persona. Well, what about naming projects or operations or giving yourself a nickname? That, that tells you everything. Ragnarok. So, was a Viking. Strong hand, strong everything. When we have projects, we name them to identify things that we are doing. What people don't seem to understand is that Project Tor, T-O-R, was the hammer of the Ragnarok operation. Ragnarok. I'm going to reiterate this because it's something unknown. Project Tor was the hammer used. And so it has, all of these have more of a Norsk theme. And I'll let you in to understand right after this break where this Norsk theme comes from, how it was derived, and how this was a weapon, a renegade weapon uh, against the people in the final war that was waged in the past eight years that was supposed to be won in 2016, but they failed. Um, kind of like the Vikings did. I guess they picked the wrong name, right? <laughs> I'll see you all in just a few where we'll get into those details uh, with a little bit of an inside POV. See you all in a few.
down in Tennessee, a long way from the suits in D.C., but close enough now to see this mess. Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper, and grab a shovel, dig a hole a little deeper, just to bury my kids right up. Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says. For the next hour, I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Remember, Monday through Friday, 12 to 2 Eastern time, we are live um, across the nation and around the world. Well, according to what I know, we're streamed live in Australia, Spain, Belize, and um, Iceland. Now, in the U.S., I I know that we're not being streamed in my home state, (sighs) insulted much, and uh, South Dakota. But everywhere else, you can probably find me on some local station that's streaming me. Or else, you can stream us live online uh, through our Red State Talk app, um, through our website, uh, through TuneIn, through Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, um, and TalkStream Live, of course. Uh, They're all free apps, and it streams right to your phone. So where were we? We were discussing uh, the fall of the Vikings. The fall of the Vikings, just so people understand, uh, was because they had a renegade. A renegade is a soldier that deserts their team for the other. This is what happened with the French um, and uh, the Anglo-Saxons, just so you know. So where am I going with this? So names, projects, they're very important. Code names, nicknames, the whole nine yards. Um, Where do I start? So let's go back in time. Let's go back in time to 2004. There was an NSA document uh, that the um, Intercept was releasing in batches. Uh, It was called the Hover Hammer. Um, It was a document that was actually, you know, pretty much older than 20 years. The... Hover hammer hovers where short range stuff can't approach. So the NSA was able to intercept international shipping data that would come out of ports in New York um, after. 
leaving United States territory by using a 60 foot, it was actually like closer to 63 foot in diameter blimp, believe it or not. So this is, we're talking long, long time ago. There are 17 intelligence agencies that are staffed by droves of contractors. So, like I said, contractors are important because then you can sever ties and eliminate traces of the contractors a lot easier. The Intercept, when they released it, explained that the hover hammer was placed there because it could intercept communications. Wireless ones, phone calls. This is before we had such, I guess, technology-ish. I have to be very careful, you can tell. Um... So, back in the day, okay, uh, there was a lot of, um, there were a lot of investments in creating aircraft that can't be detective much, kind of like balloons or blimps whatever you want to call them. So blimpy and solid blimpies to not be detected that they could just hang out, you know, in the stratosphere and just like collect information. It's kind of like um, a filter. Think of it like a water filter. Only thing is it catches everything and then continues to relay. Hence the delay sometimes on some communications by a second. You realize that through air radio waves where you're on the air talking, but the person actually listening to you is listening to you with, you know, a a minimum of a 15-second delay. It's not like super timed, right? Um, And that's thanks to... Bounce-off relays. Not so much the the distance, but the bounce-off. See, the distance would give a few seconds, but the filter relay. So, I wanted to say this because the hover hammer was part of a bigger program called Ragnarok, which had a lot of hammers. So, there were hover hammers... There were um, sledgehammers, there were tor hammers, uh, there were a lot of hammers. And um, between 2009 and 2017, they were controlled by Renegade. So the reason I'm introducing this is because uh, I never, I've not been able to like, talk about it much uh, because it can be perceived as um, I can't really talk about it much but a lot of people are talking about it so I thought hey since everyone's talking about it and I wasn't first I could kind of jump on 
So like I explained to you, we have the hover hammer, which is one portion of Ragnarok. And then we have um, the um, digital hammer. So, so this hammer is different. Uh, you know, we have the hover hammer, hovers. We have the ground hammer, the hand hammer. Now, our e-hammer, the digital one e-hammer, which sometimes when activated hammer time, I know it sounds really cheesy, but it's, it's true. I've expressed how many, many times how Brennan had left the agency at some point and with money funded to him from a Saudi purchased a company in Luxembourg, which is called security global. Now it was called something else before and created a privatized intelligence network that controls all Viking projects in a sense of participation, funding, and relay access. Now, Clapper, what role Clapper played during the Obama regime was one that was odd. He came in kind of like an Abby, an Abby Shinzo character, the dude that sits in the back of the club with his shirt open, checking the chicks out with cigarettes hanging out of his mouth, but has a moral compass. But he was that character that took the path of, well, I still want to hang out with the cool crowd, so even though you're my long-life buddy and I'm this degenerate friend of yours that you can trust that will come through and you know his trust and friendship coming through was to us the people of the United States I'm really going to side with my buddies right now but then I'm going to regret it which he's been doing and kind of say you know hey I kind of said but you know it wasn't me it was the boss you know kind of like that friend that leaves your group you know, even though he was the degenerate, starts hanging out with the bad crowd, and then they come back, and they're like, yo, I was, you know, you always trusted them in the end, you know, in the movie, where they're like the bad group, and then the good group, where your friend left and went to the bad group, and then you're suddenly at a fight with the bad group, and then your buddy that was the degenerate, but you trust, comes out to the forefront for you, that's what we're seeing on Clapper right now, he's coming out to the forefront, but he's not telling it all, or maybe he has already. So we're going to fast forward to the point where um, things are getting a little bit heated on a global scale. People are getting impatient. Um, and this is like, you know, 2010. And it's 2010. Things are heated across the globe with all these nations getting impatient as to what is going on and how it's going on. So this renegade against the world which represents multiple people, so this gang, has control of Hoverhammer, has control of all of them, but is not allowed to use them because here's the thing that people don't seem to understand. The CIA, when formed, was the biggest injustice to the people of the United States. See, we have the National Security Agency that holds our secrets, which is made up of 17 other intelligence agencies, not including the CIA. Let's keep that separate. That is rogue. That was the renegade in the group of federal agencies. 
Now that one has been empowered over the decades to feel that it supersedes all. That the job of the other security agencies are to collate, collect, store, and not really analyze, right? The NSA does not really analyze. It holds the fort, kind of like the Iron Mountain that holds the fort, not to say they can't analyze or they don't, but that's not their primary objective. That's the primary objective of the CIA and then passing off things to the FBI to enforce, okay? So we get a better picture. Now, going back to the point where the people are getting impatient in 2010 to 2012 to 2013, what happens is that since they got impatient and we needed to step it up, the, the way to step it up was to know what was in the minds of every person under on U.S. soil. Not just U.S. citizens, but any person within the United States. We needed to know their thoughts so that way we can mitigate. That was the idea of renegade. I'm speaking like the renegade party. So they come up with this plan of, well, you know, the National Security Agency, which is decentralized, right? It is, in fact, um, you know, it's, they're all decentralized, right? The central intelligence agency is the centralized one that pulls from all with requests. But the National Security Agency does not offer. They have their own, it's like, they're the Iron Mountain. You go there and you get stuff because you want it. And Iron Mountain itself has proprietary, I guess, you know, ways of storing things and sourcing things. Well, the CIA decided, well, we need that. We need to, you know, we can't keep waiting and doing all these warrants. We have to find a way to circumvent um, the law in having to get FISA warrants and stuff. So, you know, what can the CIA do? Well, the NSA had an algorithm that I've been telling you guys about that they got spanked for, but it wasn't their fault because they were using it rightfully, which was to capture uh, all data from everywhere in the United States, originating in the United States, between the United States, going outside from the United States to anywhere, which is called the 72-hour upstream, which means they can hold on to every single piece of information for 72 hours. So this radio show is going to be in an NSA database for 72 hours, and it will be released if there is no FISA warrant within those 72 hours. I've explained this many, many times. This is why I am trying to explain to you what's hidden in plain sight um, with the excuse of people bringing this story of the hammer as something new when it's not. The only thing that wasn't said was how they got a hold of it and how they put it together and how many people were enticed by it and why. We've got 30 monarchs right now on edge, which we haven't even gone through, but we'll get to that later. So what happens is the renegade decides that we need to step up game 
and make sure that we are on course for 2016 to continue this path. We need to ensure at any cost that this person gets there. That move in 2011, right before the 2012 discuss, right before the 2012 elections, was one of the most atrocious, treasonous moves ever made by any sitting ruler, let alone president of a free country. I've told you guys how during the Affordable Care Act, I had helped and contributed certain portions to it, right? A lot of us were sourced to kind of help with the lingo. This is why I've been very vocal about it. And I've told you that it was during that time that I met a lot of people. I even met Clinton. She stinks. Biden, creepy. Obama, super creep. So, like, not, hey, Mr. President, how are you doing? He was there talking and left, right? Biden, it was like, hey, and I was just like, oh, my God, what a creep. So, during the period of time of 2010 and 2012, a lot of people around the nation that had worked in one of these, should we call them companies under agencies or groups. So there's 17 agencies, but they have a lot of groups. Some of them obsolete now, some of them deleted, some of them eradicated, some of them still alive, which that doesn't really happen. So an APB was put out to people that have worked within these 17 intelligence agencies as employees and, or they're usually then contracted. And those that have worked before and their record shows obedience or appropriate responses to requests that had ways of being compromised or that they knew may not have any insurance to defend themselves were approached. And a conversation went like this, hypothetically speaking. Hey, so you've served your country well through this time. Now, what we need to do is ensure that our country stays on the right track. You are able to penetrate this, and I need all of you that are here in this room right now to understand that it is important that we ensure the integrity of our nation because, as you can see, we have terrorism within our borders. We have people that are trying to overthrow our country. And so what we need to do is make sure we can predict where this uh, trouble may come from. A few people in the room during that brief said, well, uh, you know, that's, that sounds a little bit, you know, kind of like what you would see in the movies. So are we going to be predicting where the criminals are coming from? Are we going to be predictively uh, arresting people? No, no, no. We're just going to be monitoring hot pockets of where we think things may happen. And 
So, oh, so are we going to be looking at foreign nationals that are coming in or people that are radically motivated? What are we looking at? No, no, no. We're looking at American citizens that may, you know, uprise if we have some kind of ban or curfew put in or if we take away weapons. Like, which ones are the ones that are come out guns blazing? So, out of the room of how many, out of ten, let's pretend, six remain. And the six go on to the next debriefing where they come in and say, well, you know, I don't do that anymore. I'm, you know, I now own a restaurant or, you know, I'm now heading into medical school or um, I am, I have my own diving lessons that I give out in the Caribbean and it's a thriving business. Yeah, well, now that you're here, you're either going to do this or we can really throw a wrench in things. Pay attention. We need you to go for this. We will make sure you get this job. But what we need is the proper algorithm codes done. Now, what you will do is you will go there and get it. What you will do is obfuscate the trail over there. What you will do is go over here and find out who has it. And what you will do is find out how you can see that it charges the system on access, meaning how many times has someone logged in or pulled information and you will go here and pull information, uh, on all individuals that have access to this. So we can see who's compromised. So one of the individuals in the group of six says, well, um, you want us to spy on our own spies? What? You want me to find out about, you know, their house, their kids, their, what they do, that doesn't seem right. Well, then you can leave. So the person leaves. Wait a minute. You want us to look at the charging transactions on the logs? That means that I would have to get close to so-and-so. And then that means that I have to work in this capacity and I'm doing this right now. I can't. This is a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week demand, and I have children. You may leave. And then four were left standing. Conversations went. Where they had the one person collect and, and, and extract while the others obfuscated and created the avenues. They only really needed three people. The fourth person was the extra. The extra that went to Hawaii in the end to get it done from there because as they saw, there were a lot of ways to obfuscate. Think about it, four of them. Four of them, but what they don't talk about is that extra person that was put in that Brennan wants to protect so bad. That extra one person that was not part of all of it but was actually inside to make sure that they get hired, that they get what they need, that they get what they deserve. And if people only looked to the period of time of 2011 to see when such positions were created in that area, they would realize when it all started to settle. Now, that one individual, as we all know, is called Snowden. And he talked about... You know, the black budget and how much money was put aside, how the NSIA is doing all this. But what they didn't tell you is that the NSA has been upstream keeping data, which they didn't tell us, 
but they don't share. They actually don't share. I mean, they can, people can access it, but all of this is there. Why? Let's pretend you and I are on a phone call and you decide to cut in, you know, tell me, and both of us are planning some terror attack, right? And you decide to tell me where I'm going to plant it here and I'm going to do it there. And then that conversation is stored at the NSA, but no one's going to look at it unless something happens and you tell a friend by text and then that friend, you know, decides to tell the FBI and then the FBI is like, yo, I think they're going to start exploding someplace. This guy did it. So guess what happens then? They get a warrant. Then they go to the, to to the, to the NSA and say, whatever information Joe Schmo uh, was talking about with Tori uh, for the past 72 hours, keep it and extract it. So any emails, phone calls, texts, um, Insta messaging, pictures, Instagram, Twitter, whatever you have done within those 72 hours, Joe Smo, during that period of time, they get it. Then they extract all that information and monitor. See if you actually said something on the phone before they got the warrant. Only 72 hours from the time they get the warrant. Remember, whatever's in that database. Think of like a holding bay, like when you're... It's like a hose. There's a hose of water and it goes. And then the bay kind of holds the water. And every 72 hours, a trap door opens and that water goes. And then again, it recycles every 72 hours that hose fills. That is what the NSA had. It wasn't what you were intended to understand it was. They wanted to tell you that they were actively monitoring you. Yes, they are. They're holding it at a bay. At a bay. They're not reading all our emails. There's not enough people to do that. They're not listening to all our phone calls. There's not enough people to do that. Yeah, they have algorithms to put words together, but like if you're gonna plan a terrorist attack, it's not like you're gonna use the word bomb. Okay, you're not that dumb. You know, so <laughs> things have changed. But um they've created algorithms to look at speech patterns or what's being talked about. Um, but what Snowden did was distract and point that way while that same program, that algorithm that kept things and stored things was retrieved, copied, and extradited. Outside of U.S. borders, only to be repatriated and used against the people. I'll see you all in a few. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our Legal Defense Fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you, and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978-855-700-2978-855-700-2978. 
That's 855-700-2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. For some reason, someone sent me a message saying that there's dead air. So obviously, this is being uh, recorded by myself, so I will be uploading it anyway um, as a podcast later. Uh, but um, if that's the case, that that's horrible because I'm giving you guys some juice that no one's giving you because everyone's talking about this hammer. And now I'm at the point where all the juicy connections come in. So where is, where in the world is Edward Snowden right now? He's in China. And this algorithm that was stolen from the National Security Agency, which isn't really an agency, it's in itself, just so you know. It's just a bunch of contractors, they gave you the story in 2012, 2013, talking about Verizon stealing your information. They're all listening in. Verizon has this contract. No. The National Security Agency keeps everything in a holding bay. They don't listen to everything. Yes, they've created algorithms. Yes, it's dangerous if we develop artificial intelligence that can deduce what conversations are about to be able to identify political unrest, people that are plotting against corrupt governments. Yes, that can be weaponized against us, but it needs to be identified as it is and what is correct. The NSA's capability is um, to, to be able to monitor all its citizens, but no, it's to monitor all communications within the United States, within our borders that are leaving and, you know, staying inter-border and intra-border, just so you know. Uh, it's, it's scary. Yes, it is very scary. Think about it. Because if in the hands of people like the renegade, 
It is weaponized, and this is what he did. This is Pandora's box. When it was decided to create this supercomputer to be able to collect all this information and store it because it stores it and then dumps it. Like I said, imagine. So from the time now, Eastern time is 1236. So until 1236, three days from now, that one word I spoke is housed on a supercomputer. And then at, um, it, it's, it's one sorry, Eastern time. Sorry. So my word that I will speak at one will be stored for three days until one on the third day. It is just held like data and then it dumps. So every 72 hour it dumps. Now it is a good thing because then if you have a FISA warrant, you can ask that supercomputer to give you everything from say 12 noon today up to you know, three days before 12 noon today, what not, what has not been purged and everything thereafter for that person. I need you guys to understand that in 2012, okay, we're talking 2012, this was implemented and the first target, the first one was our general while he was general. You need to understand, we've got so many of them. You need to understand just how big this is. What Snowden did and was tasked, he thought it was to protect his country. He then quickly learned it was not. He quickly learned it was not. He ran to where? Russia. We don't even know where he ran, but what I can tell you is that algorithm has been replicated so many times by so many governments now. The technology we have now surpasses that, of course. But think of a world with this technology, with which if they actually take that dangerous step of creating the best artificial intelligence to be able to utilize it and weaponize it, all of us can be in a lot of trouble. Now, I want you to know that this is all coming out. And the reason Brennan is scared is because he created the foundations to be able to foster that algorithm in Luxembourg. And also for that fifth person, that fourth contractor outside of Snowden, because there were a total of five, like I said. You know, I got a message asking me what happened to the other people that were there that left. Well, I can tell you for the other two of the six that were in that brief group, I would say. One of them is bankrupt. The other one didn't get to succeed the goal that they had because of roadblocks, because of elimination. Remember I told you the problem of working as a contractor for agencies is their ability to erase you. You've seen the movie erase before, you know how they, these are the way they mitigate. And the only reason the one person went bankrupt and has troubles is because they didn't have insurance. The other person erased because 
they're not that sure anymore if that person has insurance or not. That's the thing. See, names. They say a lot about people. They say a lot about projects, about books. The titles are very important. So what is coming out now with this Spygate is just how a president manipulated people that had the capabilities, the experience, and the patriotism to believe that what they were doing is correct. Now, all of them, of course, know that it's not anymore. Uh, Snowden was one of the first to realize it. He was one of the first to realize it upon completing his task. See, because one would think if this algorithm was stolen, how didn't the NSA realize it before Snowden left the country? That's because there were other people, like I said, to mitigate the delay, to mitigate and alter code, to ensure that there was a backup to obfuscate up until the point where they couldn't obfuscate without being revealed. This is huge. And this weapon, this was weaponized and used against good people, against good leaders, against good generals, against good soldiers, airmen, sailors, contractors, businesses, mothers, fathers, farmers. It was used against everyone. They knew how to penetrate every facet because they could. Unfortunately for them, they weren't able to do as much as they wanted because it came out. I highly suggest that people read a book. It was written by Brad Thor. It's called A Hidden Thriller, A a Thriller, Hidden Order. It's like fiction. But, you know, all stories have a kind of thing of truth. Could you imagine if there was a guy who was tasked as a contractor to take that algorithm and apply it to look at your financial records or your medical records or your DMV records? Not just you. But everybody at that DMV. Not just you having a bank, I don't know, at Chase. But everyone at Chase. This is just how deep Spygate goes. Everything. So everything we see, the Democrats asking to be revealed, has some merit. They want to see his tax returns from before he was president. Why? Because their algorithm collected information that may contradict what's on there. Could be. Doesn't mean there is. Could be. Doesn't mean there is. So everything they're chasing, and this is why they're chasing their tails, is because the software evolved from there. And unfortunately, they don't have their own people in place to allow such atrocities to happen. There are so many people that have come out and spoken up against this publicly, others privately, and others waited for the right moment to educate the public. One guy, um, 
who talked about this a lot um, is uh, uh, Larry Johnson. I'm, I'm really, I'm trying to figure out. So, you know, there was this guy named Montgomery, which um, Larry Clayman actually represented. I hope he still represents him. Uh, Dennis Montgomery actually um, created software to be able to penetrate other company software and use that, a version of that algorithm to collect data, to piggyback. There are so many of these types, it's ridiculous. Um, There was a federal judge, uh, Maurice Snow, who allowed an audio tape to play um, he allowed some audio to go which Brennan and Clapper clearly said that they were targeted to wiretap uh, President Trump I wanted to play a clip from Fox Business give me a second let me play this if you look at the fact that an American was having his phone call listened to by the government and then leaked to the press. Uh, if the shoe was on the other foot here, and this was the de- this was a Democrat, uh, you can imagine the Democrats in the House and the Senate would be going crazy if this happened to someone within the Obama administration. The Republican chair of the House Intelligence Committee, that's Devin Nunes, he now says the NSA and the FBI must explain why former National Security Advisor General Michael Flynn, why his phone conversations were tapped and recorded. Joining me now, the man who won a lawsuit against the NSA for its data collection practices back in 2013, he's Freedom Watch founder and attorney Larry Clayman. Larry, now you say the NSA has been spying on the administration and the Trump transition team too. Is that what's going on? Uh, Liz, that's very obvious. Uh, You know, when they say they're tapping the phones of Michael Quinn, General Michael Quinn, because they caught him in a net with the Russians, that frankly is not believable. It's likely that, in fact, they've been tapping the president's phone. As Judge Napolitano said earlier, they've been tapping everybody in the White House. These people are hostile. You know, the former director of the CIA, notwithstanding the NSA, John Brennan in the CIA, was in a war with President Trump before he was inaugurated. We have a lawsuit. And that lawsuit, as you pointed out, did give rise to two preliminary injunctions that this was a violation of the Constitution of the United States, the Fourth Amendment, to get the telephonic metadata of hundreds of millions of Americans. Lawsuits Clayman versus Obama. You can find it at freedomwatchusa.org. This is part of this lawsuit. So this morning, I went back to the court and I said, we need an emergency hearing here because it now looks like not just Larry Clayman and his clients have been wiretapped by uh, the NSA and CIA, but the president and his national security advisor is part of a pattern in practice, and your order is being violated, Your Honor. That judge is Richard Leon. And hopefully he'll take this up because uh, we are, in effect, representing General Mike Flynn and others whose constitutional rights have been violated. Okay, so now I'm going to tell you something that people aren't telling you. And I'm going to be careful with my wording. No, pretty clear. 
The NSA was not the one spying on General Flynn. The NSA was not the one spying on you and I. The NSA was not spying on um, Manafort, Cohen, Trump, Papadopoulos, me, you, his kids, your kids, your grandmother, your grandfather, everybody or anyone close to the orbit of President Trump was being listened into, but it was not the NSA. And the proof is in the court documents. It was the CIA piggybacking off the NSA. This is why Clapper has no problem throwing Obama under the bus because it was Obama that initiated this whole spying program when he hired those four and the fifth, fifth, Pentagon fifth contractor to collect this data. They use the algorithm that the NSA had to pull the data from the NSA and created other algorithms that would piggyback on that algorithm. And that wave they had, they penetrated it and pulled with their own algorithms, selective information, selective data targeting General Flynn, his son, his sister, his brother, President Trump, his kids, their kids, their mothers, their friends, their work colleagues, their campaign people, the people that work for the campaign, the people that communicated with the campaign, everywhere. And this is in the what? The FISA court doc by Collier where Carlin literally popped his certifications down and said, and this is the parts of the redacted. That it was the CIA, it was Brennan who deployed the actual algorithm to piggyback into the NSA and pull. Yes, it was the NSA's algorithm that collects all metadata, but the selective collection of metadata and extracting that from the NSA servers to the CIA and in turn to the hands of the FBI and ultimately the White House was done from President Barack Hussein Obama, who had Brennan do it. And we've got one clown sitting in the Pentagon that was the fifth element to mitigate that is still there still there and so this is where we're at this is who brendan is protecting because have you ever heard oh gosh i forget what it's called you know when a cop falsifies information and gets a lot of people arrested like oh i saw this and and then they realize that the methods the cop does are wrong and they were you know, bad. Well, then they go back and all cases or all arrests that, oh shoot, I forget that terminology. If anyone knows DM texted to me, uh, where, um, you know, then the judge has to like kill all those cases of that prosecutor or that cop because he did that one dirty one. So now they have to examine if all the other ones are dirty. This is what's going to happen when this Pentagon source is revealed. Well, he was in the Pentagon, last year where is he now probably buried somewhere still working though still working though this is why brennan still has his clearance you guys don't get it this is why he has a username and password that is what is going on you have to understand that he was stuck he was stuck in the middle Oh my gosh. Okay. How do I word this? 
So again, Clapper is clean because Clapper didn't do it. He can claim that he didn't know of the existence of this algorithm. Obviously, it was brought to his attention by um, Judge Collier. And I'm thinking that Clapper, I'm being honest here, Clapper's a clown. Clapper is a clown. But Clapper probably didn't know that Brennan was the one that deployed that worm to piggyback and selectively collect the 72 uphold streams. He probably didn't know. Now he knows. And he has no problem saying, well, you know, this happened, you know, through Obama. That's how it was deployed. So he knows that that worm through the CIA was because the CIA was taking the NSA's information. It's like the CIA was literally hacking the database of the National Security Agency supercomputer where they have this. And this is where you get the hammer working. And here is where it happens. Remember Tor, the browser Tor? Well, that was also targeted. Targeted through a specific software. So anyone that used the Tor browser through their computer on the upstream was tagged and flagged. So using Tor would flag you. Yes, you would probably die out into the dark net and they wouldn't know where you follow, but they'd tag your household as someone who was looking into things that they shouldn't be looking at or trying to access things they shouldn't be looking at that is something important now there was a freudian slip on that clip that i played to you we'll get to that in about a week uh some of you actually texted me that name and i said i thought to myself rather than say it out loud maybe people can re-listen to it you know i'm a huge fan of mary fanning um her work has been exceptional in this and obviously uh for reasons you know I lack the ability to formally participate. Uh, I just wanted to kick back for you guys to understand that this algorithm is important for the kingdoms. So we all understand that we um, we uh, uphold traditions throughout time. This is something that humans do in general. And like I said at the beginning of the show, we have 30 monarchs that rule over... 40, wait, 30, 28, and 16 is, uh, um, so 46, so over 44 nations, doing the math in my head real quick. So I wanted you guys to understand that when someone is being threatened or their history is being threatened, um, they begin to start discredit campaigns, Right. That's how they mitigate situations. But can they really mitigate a situation that they no longer have control of is the question, and they can't. So this is why we're seeing that the monarchs of sovereign states within our world are now coming to the president to discuss things. Here's a very interesting fact. President Macron of France, did you guys know that he's also a prince? Did you know that? He's actually a monarch. He co-rules, he's co-prince of the Principality of Andorra. Did you know that? No, you didn't. He's royalty. He is the co-prince. He co-princes or co-rules over the Principality of Andorra with um, Archbishop uh, Enrique Vivet of Sicily. 
Did you know that the Queen of England rules over 16 nations? You probably did. Crown's one of the biggest ones. Then we have uh, the Kingdom of Denmark that I spoke to you. They've already reached out to our government. The Kingdom of Cambodia. We have Brunei. But they're an absolute kingdom of a sovereign state, which means that their word is above all. So the Sultan there is not having conversations with President Trump. Now we need to move on to the kingdom of Bhutan. We will be speaking with them soon. The kingdom of Belgium. They're supposed to be constitutional. Remember, guys, Belgium is the center of the European Union. Ergo, the kingdom of Belgium rules over the EU, too. We've got the kingdom of Bahrain. We've got the emperor of Japan. King Abdullah, we've already spoke to in Jordan. We've got um, uh, the emir of Kuwait. We've got Grand Duke Henry of Luxembourg. Luxembourg is not speaking to us either. We've got the Kingdom of Lesotho. So this is one where we're going to be seeing when we enter the African discussions. We've got uh, Prince Albert not talking to President Trump. The uh, King of Morocco not talking to President Trump. The King of the Netherlands sort of sort of wanting to talk to the United States because they're not working with this Nord Stream 2. The Kingdom of Norway, that is to show. Qatar, Oman, Saudi Arabia, Spain, Sweden, Thailand, Tonga, um, and the Vatican. So as you can see, we've got about 44, we've got 30 monarchs, and 12 of them have already flipped and coming to the United States. Why? Because this software is everywhere. This algorithm is everywhere, and this algorithm threatens their reign, threatens their nation, and threatens their history. This is the only reason that they are coming to the president of the United States, because they realize that the path that was being taken is not the correct path to ensure that there is stability in our world. This is the problem. And so now you're going to be seeing a lot of royals coming up to our president and having conversations because the world is, a, is splitting. And what splitting is, is that if they have the technology, the, the world order, as they call it, the global order, as they call it, how Prince Macron, because people don't know he's a prince, I'm telling you that, have it, then that means they can disseminate it and they will weaponize it against you. So embrace and we will work together. And this is where we make agreements. This is what people need to understand. That once it's out there, it cannot be put back in. It's like Pandora's box. You cannot put close the box once things are out. I hope in the very obscure way that I've tried to deliver this information, you're understanding where we are heading. We are in a civilized civil war. But World War III is going to be insane and perpetuated by this global order. On that note, I wish you all a great evening. From all of us here at Red State, God bless you. And in memories of all that have given their life as the ultimate sacrifice for us in the United States, may you enjoy your Memorial Day. I'll see you all here tomorrow. 12 to 2, Eastern Time on Red State Talk Radio. Thanks for tuning in.